Socorro, music playlists, live streaming, and more online at KUNM.org. This is Generation Justice. I'm Brennan Olivier. And I'm Jakia Fuller. Generation Justice is a multimedia movement to train youth to harness the power of media for social change. Recently, the topic of reproductive rights has made headlines and has sparked a national debate. During tonight's show, we will be discussing the history of reproductive rights and how women's bodies are being politicized locally and nationally. We will also be talking about reproductive justice and the role it plays in the lives of women of color. First, we are joined by Tanya Esparza, the director of Young Women United and Amarisa Baboe, a sophomore at Health Leadership High School. They will talk about reproductive justice and the history behind the movement. We'll also take you to the Pink Out Day rally at UNM and hear what some community members had to say. But first, let's kickstart with some music. Here's our music host for the night, Chantel Gurule. Hey everybody, my name is Chantel Gurule, and I am your music host for tonight. Tonight's first song will be You Don't Own Me by Leslie Gore. Melissa Harris chose this song because she feels although this song was made in 1963, it still has a lot of meaning today. In 2013, this song was used in a PSA about women, reproductive rights, and voting for our future. Enjoy. You don't own me. I'm not just one of your many toys. You don't own Welcome back. Now we are joined in the studio by two women who are dedicated to the issues of reproductive justice. We have Tanya Esparza from Young Women United, which leads community organizing and policy change by and for women of color. Young Women United works to build communities where all people have access to the information, education, and resources we need to make real decisions about our bodies and lives. We also have Amarisa Barboa, was an active member in Loud, leaders organizing to unite and decriminalize, Circle of Strength and the Youth Voices in Action. She was active in the Respect ABQ Women campaign and carries a reproductive justice lens in all of her organizing. Here's our very own Nicole Beatty with Tanya and Amarisa. Thank you, Jakia and Brennan. Hello, my name is Nicole Beatty, and I'm the youth produce, I am a youth producer here at Generation Justice. Tonight we have Amarisa and Tanya with us to discuss about reproductive justice. Please, may you true introduce yourselves. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for having me on the show. My name is Tania Esparza, and I'm the very, very proud executive director at Young Women United. Um, I identify as a queer Chicana from Santa Barbara, California, um, where I grew up um, uh, with a single mama who taught me everything I know about reproductive justice. Um, I got my feet wet in social justice organizing. Um, when I was six, my mom took me to my first immigrant rights march, and that impacted me for the rest of my life. And there, those are lessons that I bring with me in conversations um, that I have around reproductive justice. Hi, my name is Amarisa Barboa, and I'm 15 years old. I am currently a sophomore at 
Health Leadership High School, and I became active in the reproductive justice movement, but because my mom is an organizer, and so ever since I was baby a baby, I right away knew about what re- re- reproductive justice means and how to make a change in my community. Thank you guys for sharing your um, your introductions to us. Um, Tanya, how do you define reproductive justice? So at Young Women United, we're proud um, to work um, to build communities where all people have access to the information, education, and resources we need to make real decisions about our own bodies and lives. And I think that is at the crux of reproductive justice. Reproductive justice means that, you know, whether or not we decide to parent, that the children that we raise can live with dignity. If we decide not to parent, that that decision that we make is supported um, by having access to the health care that we need. Reproductive justice means that women who are navigating cycles of addiction have access to treatment instead of incarceration. It means that we prioritize the health care needs of our LGBTQ communities. And it also means that if we decide to birth, we have access to the, a full range of birthing options um, available to us that honor and affirm um, us as who we are. Thank you. Thank you for that definition. Um, Amadiso, why is reproductive justice important and why should people care about this? Reproductive justice is very important, especially for our communities of color and our lower income communities, because a lot of times we get our rights taken away. And I think it's very important for us to organize to make sure women of color get the kind of access and care that they need for their bodies and lives. Um, so from that, Amarisa, I kind of got the gist that, you know, reproductive justice is not a new movement. So Tanya, can you tell us a little bit about the history of reproductive justice in the United States? You are correct that reproductive justice is not a new movement. And I think that is reflected in the introductions that both Amarisa and I gave that although many of our communities might not know what reproductive justice means, I think we li- live and lead our lives with reproductive justice values that we've learned from our mamas, from our grandmas, from our tias and abuelitos. Um, and they may be, you know, things that that reflect the values that they were raised with, like being able to work hard to be able to put food on the table is a reproductive justice value that I carry with me um, throughout the organizing that I've done. And those, I think that's... Um, you know, a way into a reproductive justice conversation that I think many people share. Um, And I think it's really poignant that women of color um, really developed the reproductive justice movement out of a need to be able to talk about the lives and the issues that were impacting their own lives and that were not being prioritized by the feminist, the mainstream feminist movement. This happened over 20 years ago through the leadership of mostly black women um, who said, you know, our needs and our, our priorities are not being centered and we need to create and strategize um, around the issues that are impacting our lives because they're important. I, um, I completely agree. Uh, Amarisa, how does this affect youth? Um, well, 
How does this how does this history affect the youth? I think this history affects the youth because or the youth in my generation because it's kind of already been started for us, but we still have a far way to go in terms of educating people on what they need to know and um, how to make the correct stances on community organizing and movement. I agree, um, especially when it comes to community organizing and this movement. So I know that now that we have some history about this movement, what's been going on the national level in the past couple of months and weeks? So I think what we've seen in national headlines has been um, the effort to defund Planned Parenthood. And as a a community organizing and policy organization that is led by young women of color, um, we know at Young Women United that access to reproductive health care is essential to the health and well-being of our communities. And Planned Parenthood offers um, some of the only care that's available to our communities, both here in New Mexico and across um, the country. And I think it's important um, that we invest in making sure that those services are available. Yeah. um, And how has the youth voice um, played a role in, in these national movements or even the local movements, Amadisa? Youth voice has very much played out <clears throat> a role in the com- in the organizing because there are many many groups in Albuquerque alone that focus around reproductive justice rights or just youth in general. I'm in the organizing I do with Loud. We work in youth who have been in the system and have been incarcerated, and we focus on the kind of injustices that they've worked that they've experiences experienced. And we always figure out a way to tie women's rights and women's bodies into our organizing of those that kind of stuff. I know in the past couple of years in New Mexico, there has been a battleground on reproductive justice. Can you talk a little bit about it and what's been going on? Um, you know, the attacks on reproductive health um, aren't new. We continue to see them every year. Um, not just in New Mexico, but across the country. And I think a very um, poignant moment in this was in 2013 when Albuquerque faced um, a harmful attack on access to reproductive health um, through a ballot measure that would have eliminated access to abortion after 20 weeks. As a response um, to that ballot measure, Many, uh, a few organizations, including Young Women United, um, led the creation of the Respect Albuquerque Women campaign. Um, And though national eyes, um, you know, uh, thought that we were were going going to lose this battle, we are so proud that um, access to abortion um, remains safe in New Mexico through the hard work um, of women of color. We were able to defeat this ballot measure by a 10-point margin, utilizing strategies that we knew resonated with our communities um, and in in a way that included and centered um, working-class communities, communities of color. Um, One of the uh, proudest moments of of my being at Young Women United was working alongside Dolores Huerta to develop radio ads in English and Spanish so that our communities can have access to that information in their own language. Um, That was incredibly valuable because as we know, many people in New Mexico don't have access to internet, et cetera. 
And um, radio, as we are doing tonight, is a way to invite our communities in a way that's more accessible. Um, I know you had mentioned about a lot of things that are going on in New Mexico. Are there any other things that you would like to talk about, like what currently youth are doing and youth parents and what kind of work have been done in those avenues? So I'm really happy you asked that question because um, I think when we're talking about reproductive justice, I think often reproductive rights, reproductive health, and reproductive justice, these are terms that get used interchangeably, and they're actually very different. So while we just talked about the history of the reproductive justice movement being a movement led by and for women and people of color, um, reproductive health is really centered around making sure people have access to reproductive health, including abortion and contraception, um, STI testing, et cetera. Um, and when we're talking about reproductive rights, we're talking about laws, a laws mostly pertaining to um, access to abortion and contraception. So they're very, very different things. And in our frame of working at Young Women United, we understand that um, access to reproductive health is one piece of reproductive justice. But like I mentioned before, um, uh, birth justice, for example, is, is part of that as well, to make sure that people have access to a full range of birthing options. Here in New Mexico, we have a really beautiful and strong tradition of midwifery, curandera, partera care, um, and unfortunately, that access is not the same for our for communities of color um, as it is for upper middle class um, white folks. So what we're trying to do is reclaim those practices and make sure that people have all the options available to them that include midwifery models of care that come from our communities. Um, we're also really proud to organize with young parents um, and really contribute a, a pretty huge um, piece of work to shifting the, the frame of shame and stigma that young parents constantly face by teen pregnancy prevention models that have only been, um, you know, shaming and stigmatizing young parents for a long time. And we've done this through legislation that we passed in 2013, an education equity bill um, that has really changed the way that we talk about young parents in New Mexico. And it's really wonderful that New Mexico is leading this, this conversation across the country. It's the first legislation of its kind, and it was passed alongside young parents um, in their leadership. That's so awesome. And in the discussion of, you know, young parents and their leadership and the in the youth, um, Amarisa, I heard or I know of you and your respect with um, ABQ Women Campaign. Can you tell us a little bit more about it and, and the role that you've played? So first off, I want to say that abortion is a very difficult conversation to have with somebody. And my one of the main things that I did during the Respect ABQ Women Campaign was door knock knocking and phone banking and I made sure that my friends and family knew what exactly the bill would do to our communities. Um, so it was very difficult, especially when I was talking to friends and family, because I had to kind of measure out what what I should prioritize first. And I think educating people first off is very important because if people don't know exactly what's going on, that will directly affect them and their families, it can be very critical and dangerous for us. 
I agree. I agree. And and talking about um, being critical in danger, can you guys talk a little bit, or Tanya, can you talk a little bit about how women's bodies have become a political issue and how does it affect women of color? I really want to um, also uh, piggyback off of what Amarisa said, that here in New Mexico, um, the reason why we were able to defeat this ballot measure was because, you know, New Mexican, New Mexican people understand that decisions about abortion should remain in the hands of women and families. And that, I think, is really resonant of, of community values that really value um, people making decisions about their own lives, people respecting the diversity of cultures and, um, and different traditions of faith in New Mexico. And I think that's why we've been successful. Um, to answer your question around um, what we've been seeing as a battleground, um, uh, you know, nationally, I think, again, this isn't something that is new. Um, New Mexico has a very uh, traumatic history of colonization and colonialism. And with that, um, you know, generations later, we see uh, the forced sterilization of indigenous and native communities. And I think what we're seeing now isn't didn't just happen out of thin air. It has a context, and the context is something that we have to refer back to if we're really going to inf inform and change the conditions in which we live in right now. Um, so I don't think that this is new. Um, women, the bodies of women of color have always been um, unfortunately exploited, um, and I think that we do. Uh, our community uh, a really great service in being able to have that historical memory. I agree. Um, Amarisa, can you speak on um, women's bodies and how they become a political issue and how they f affect women of color? So as Tanya said, it's definitely not just a becoming. It's been a thing that has been around for a very long time and that families have generation I mean families have witnessed for generations and generations um, I think it's very important to take stance on what kind of issues we should focus on and what kind of and how to address those issues I agree so it seems like women bodies have um, women's bodies and women's reproductive rights are a big topic for up-and-coming national and local elections what would you want to say to elected, elected officials and what would you like for them to know? Like, what is your message? Tanya? I, I'm speaking as myself, as Tanya, not as Young Women United. <laughs> um, but my recommendations are really to, to focus and question um, how we're talking about women's issues and how when we reduce the issues that you know, impact whole communities, whole lives, just to women's issues, we, re we um, do a great disservice to our communities because we're not addressing um, the issues wholly. Um, I would also encourage our elected officials um, not to use, quote unquote, women's issues as a political platform to get elected, not just to do that but to address the issues head on and be accountable to the communities that elect them. I agree. Um, Amarisa? I think just the main thing that I want to say is we're here and we're going to be loud and heard. I agree. I feel like in that simplicity, that's all you need is that we're here 
our voices are here to be heard. Um, is there anything else that you guys would like to add? I would just say that I think, um, I guess I can't emphasize enough how much the reproductive justice um, work that has been led by women of color in New Mexico is deeply impacting um, a national conversation on um, on building support for young parents. Um, but more importantly, what we're doing around birth justice is really important. The work that we're doing around decriminalizing substance use in pregnancy is also leading some really important conversations. And I'm just so proud that it's coming out of New Mexico um, and that you know there's a lot more work to be done, but all of this work is only made stronger um, by all the communities that are, are, are involved and centered in it. No, I completely agree. I believe um, communities of color are, are making really good movement. And I thank you guys so much for coming in this evening and for the work that you guys do and that the work you guys continue to do. So thank you, Amarisa and Tanya, for that insightful conversation on reproductive justice. And now back to tonight's hosts. Thank you, Tanya and Amarisa, for joining us and telling us more about reproductive justice. I can tell you're very passionate about reproductive justice. It's inspiring to me to see people standing up for what they believe. What I've learned is that reproductive justice is about one making decisions about one's own body and lives with dignity. This is important especially for low-income families and women of color who need to access affordable health care. This demographic is often not invited to the conversation. Now back to our music host, Chantel, for some awesome tunes. Our next song will be Superwoman by Alicia Keys. One of my favorite lyrics in this song is when she says, Still, when I'm a mess, I still put on a vest with an S on my chest. I'm a superwoman. These lyrics speak to me because we as women can, do, can overcome anything. Hope you like it. Tuesday, September 29th was National Pink Out Day to support Planned Parenthood and Reproductive Justice. The National Pink Out Day rally was in response to recent efforts to defund Planned Parenthood. It was an opportunity for men and women to stand up for what they believe and raise awareness of what Planned Parenthood is and the services they provide. Here at UNM, 150 supporters ranging from patients, staff, students, and allied organizations gathered to, show, to, to share their stories in Pink Pride. The UNM Student Alliance for Reproductive Justice and the Feminist Majority Leadership Alliance hosted the Pink Out Day rally. Generation Justice attended the rally and spoke with Alana Offield, Shaya Rogers, Nicholas Montoya, Victor Reyes, Joan Lemonian Sanford, and Maria Madrano. Now, let's listen to what they had to say. I'm Alana Offield. I'm 26. I'm a field organizer with the American Civil Liberties Union of New Mexico. My name is Nicholas Montoya. I'm an undergrad in engineering. I'm 20 years old. 
and I'm a part of the Student Alliance for Reproductive Justice. My name is Shaya Rogers, and I am a leader with the Student Alliance for Reproductive Justice, and I also work as an organizer with Planned Parenthood of New Mexico. My name is Victor Reyes. I'm with Progress Now New Mexico. I'm their campaigns director. My name is Maria. I am part of the group of feminists. My name is Joan Lemonian Sanford. I'm the director of the New Mexico affiliate of the Religious Coalition for Reproductive Choice. I'm a parent of two adult children and two grandchildren. I'm really disappointed at the members of Congress that instead of doing actions and passing legislation that is in the best interest of our community are on a mission to stigmatize abortion and to defund Planned Parenthood who and you know and these funds not a single penny of it can be used on abortion these are funds that go to things like cancer screenings like STI testing like mammograms for women and these are important things that we must protect. I think there's a pretty constant attack on access but I think more than that there's such shame and stigma that surrounds talking about abortion and a lot of the work that we're doing at the ACLU is trying to push back against that. So we really want to encourage people to, if they feel comfortable and safe, to share their stories and talk about it. That's the only way we're going to be able to get rid of the shame and stigma that surrounds this issue. Planned Parenthood does so much for women and men around in the U.S. So it just doesn't make any sense for me how they would think so negatively about that. I can only imagine that women are a little bit nervous about the way things are going, really nervous running right around the corner from the 2016 election, and just really not sure what to make of all of this fighting. It's weird to have fighting happen across your body, so I don't think that it's a particularly good thing. But I think specifically marginalized women, poor women, women of color um, are the ones who are affected the most. And they sort of get left out of the conversation when we're talking about fights and access and people who use their voices. They might not be able to use their voices. They're probably at work right now. They're probably taking care of their families right now. They're probably trying to survive right now. So we're really here as a symbol for all the women who can't be here, for all the people who can't be a part of this movement, and to let them know that you know we're going to fight for it and it's it's part of our part of our mission and part of my responsibility as a human being for me it's a scare <laughs> to see young ladies maybe 25 27 years old that they have four five children it is very difficult overall for for the mother everything is in the back of the woman sometimes the man don't don't work so it is really very difficult, maybe more difficult in my country because the people don't have uh, education. I think with education, yeah, we are going to uh, arrive someday to have maybe families with three, two, that I think it is, could be normal. In Mexico, we're a very diverse state, and in order to live with that diversity, then, you know, we know that we have to respect one another's values and not impose our values on one another. And I think that's our culture here, to respect what is a private family decision that a woman makes with or without consultation of her family, you know, depending on what she needs and within her own faith and values. And in New Mexico, we support that women are the, the leaders of our families. They're the rock of our communities. So to not trust women with complicated decisions is foolish. I would want elected officials to know that they don't have a place in a woman's decision over her own body. Women are fully capable of making complex decisions 
and that a person's religion is really important. At the ACLU, we fight to pr protect religious liberty, but that there are countering views of faith, that there are plenty of people of faith that feel that abortion is something that should be between a woman and her God, and we second that. I'd like them to know that, you know, that this is a very important issue for young people, for people of color, for the community of New Mexico, for the community of Albuquerque. This is a very important issue. These are, at many times, the only access that people have to health care services. And so we must protect them, and we must be there very vigilant to stand. And I'd ask them to speak up against these efforts to defund Planned Parenthood and to stand with women and to stand with Planned Parenthood. I would want them to know that these are real experiences that women really have. It's not political rhetoric. It's not about um, you know moral high ground or self-righteousness. It's just about our access to care. And whether you agree with it or not, um, many women have abortions. Many women seek this care, and many women support Planned Parenthood. Planned Parenthood does so much more to, for our community than what these people are thinking. If this organization is affected in any way negatively, the consequences are going to be shown dramatically throughout the community. I would want them to know that they have no place in private family decisions. Just as I have no place in their private family decisions. We need to love our neighbors and treat each other the way we want to be treated with privacy and with respect and compassion. The ACLU right now we're really seeking to engage people that want to tell their stories and supporting them in ways to do that through the media. So if folks have a story that they want to tell around their own abortion experience or just about their relationship to the abortion conversation as a person of faith, we want to hear that and we want to amplify that in any way that we can. Um, and we're also working with medical providers and medical students too that are interested sort of along the same lines and sharing why they're connected to that work. We want to really plug those stories and get our messaging out there. We each need to take a stand and we don't have to have confrontational conversations but have conversations with the people around us so that abortion and contraception and reproductive health care is less stigmatized. I think a good way of ta taking action is to call your legislators, both your United States representatives, um, your members of the New Mexico legislature, anybody that you believe is a policy-making force, vote. That's a very important thing that you can do. Be a pro-choice voter. Be a pro-women's reproductive health care voter. It's very important to be able to make that, take that stand and show the, your legislators that that is something that you support. And remember their positions that they take when you go to the ballot box. Thank you for sharing your thoughts with us. I learned that Planned Parenthood provides a lot of services to both men and women. It is being used as an alternative solution for people who need to access affordable health care. There needs to be more education on what Planned Parenthood actually provides and who their demographic is. What impacted me was when Joanne said it was a family decision and not a government decision. I didn't know the government was making those types of decisions. Thank you, Joanne. And thank you also to Alana, Shea, Nicholas, Victor, and Maria. Now for some more sweet beats. Here's Chantel. This next song is My Choice by Topeka Porcon. I chose this song because it has a very strong impression on all those who hear it. To me, it says that every woman has the ability to make a change. We'll also hear Respect by Aretha Franklin. I felt this song was very appropriate for today's topic. The song is of respect, and no matter what, we should always respect a woman's choice. Enjoy. 
my body, my mind, my choice. To wear the clothes I like even as my spirit roams naked. My choice. To be a size zero or a size 15. They don't have a size for my spirit. And never will. To use cotton and... There's always some incredible events happening around town. Get your pens and paper out. Here's Edwin and Lucero with some of those events. Thank you, Brennan and Jakia. Time for our casual calendar. I'm your calendar host, Lucero Velasquez. And I'm Edwin Rivera, joining you also as calendar host. Our first event this evening is a public health seminar by Journal Club. They will be presenting on behavioral health. This is happening October 6th at noon on the UNM main campus in room 2112 Dominici Center West. This journal club is a part of a core course offered in the UNM public health program. The students of the journal club usually present on the second Tuesday of the month, so come and see what they're studying for a total about behavioral health. This week, they'll focus on epilepsy and social identity, the stigma of chronic neurological disorder. For more information about this event, contact Noel Stone. Her email is sstone at salud.unm.edu. Lucero, did you know that community organizing as empowerment advocacy and action is having an event October 10 at 11 a.m.? Yeah, I heard it will be at the UNM um, Art Museum on the main campus this Saturday. This is also a great opportunity to learn how to change your community for the better. To get more on this event, contact Angelina Skionetska at 505-277-6773. Hey, Edwin, do you know what holiday is not coming around? What do you mean? I'm talking about Columbus Day. Why wouldn't we celebrate it? Because Columbus Day celebrates the death and suffering of Native people, land, and life. Instead, it could be the Indigenous People's Day of Resistance and Resilience. On October 12th, you can learn more about this at a lecture called Reclaiming the Indigenous Identity. This lecture by Amanda Blackhorse will be held at the Zimmerman Library on UNM campus from 3 to 1 p.m. Black Horse is a Diné activist and social worker who has successfully sought to cancel six federal trademarks that include the term Redskins. The talk is sponsored by the UNM American Studies Department and sponsored by Zimmerman Library's Indigenous Nations Library Program. This lecture is especially important because it will also discuss all the indigenous mov movements to abolish Columbus Day. Following the lecture, Amanda Blackhorse will also be opening speaker for the March of Indigenous Peoples Day of Resistance and Resilience. Oh yeah, next Monday on October 12, right? Yeah, the march will be downtown on 1st Street and Central Avenue at 5 p.m. Red Nation, an Indigenous activist coalition, organizes march and is calling all communities to come together and take a stand against the racist colonial holiday. Marching for resilience means you're marching against racist border town violence, against violations of indigenous human rights, and corporations who exploit and profit from native people's land. You can find their event page on Facebook by searching for March and Rally, the Indigenous People's Day of Resistance and Resilience. To stay updated, follow ABQ 
or follow the hashtags ABQ Abolish Columbus, hashtag Border Town Justice, and hashtag Water is Life. Last but not least, there will be an opening reception for an exhibit at the Indian Pueblo Cultural Center. It will also be this Saturday, October 10 at 1 p.m. If you're unable to make this, make it this Sunday, you can still check out the exhibit until February. The super cool exhibit is celebrating Pueblo sovereignty and Pueblo governance. It explores the evolution of Pueblo perseverance and the right of existence from a Pueblo perspective. For more information, you can contact the Indian Pueblo Cultural Center at 505-843-7270. I am Lucero Velasquez. And I am Erwin Rivera. We were your casual calendar hosts for the evening. Back to you, Brendan and Jake. Thank you, Edwin and Lucero, for those upcoming events. Once again, here's our music host, Chantel. Our next song is La Femme Fatale by Diggable Planets. Lucero Velasquez chose this song because to her, it sings about how a woman in such a complicated situation can't have her own decision accepted by others. And no matter what, a woman needs to do what's right for herself. This is a great song. Tell us what you think about it on Twitter at Gen Justice. It was 8.49 on a beautiful ninth day of July. There was not a cloud to speak of, so the orange sun hung lonely in the sky. I lay prone in my cabby home, thinking of fine nappy Jackie and his jazz cat's horn. Sliding in a tape of bird on bird when suddenly rang my phone. Hey, While we have reached the end of tonight's show, we would like to thank everyone who made this show possible. Thank you to Tanya Esparza and Amarisa Barboa for joining Generation Justice tonight in the studio. And thanks to Nicole Beatty for leading that conversation. Shout out to UNM Student Alliance for Reproductive Justice and Feminist Majority Leadership Alliance for hosting the hashtag Pink Out Day rally at UNM. Also, thanks to Anna Offield, Shea Rogers, Nicholas Montoya, Victor Reyes, Joan Lemonia Sanford, and Maria Medrano for speaking out about reproductive justice. Our calendar hosts this evening were Edwin Rivera and Lucera, Lucero Velasquez. Also, we cannot forget to thank our wonderful music host, Chantel Gurule. Production assistance came from George Lina Pena, Tamara Kalake, Christina Rodriguez, Melissa Harris, Camaria Umi, Polly Denetclaw, Katerie Zuni, and Roberta Riael. And last but certainly not least, much appreciation to all of our youth members here at Generation Justice. We cannot do what we do without you. Stay connected with us. Check out our website, generationjustice.org, where you can listen to all of our past radio programs, see music playlists, read our blogs, watch videos, and much, much more. Our shows are now available on iTunes, so be sure to subscribe and rate our podcast. We're also active on social media, so like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Generation Justice is funded by the W.K. Kellogg Foundation, with additional funding from the McCune Foundation, Colin Alma Health Foundation, and of course, all of you, who have contributed to our project by visiting our website and clicking donate. I'm Jakia Fuller. And I'm Brennan Olivier. Next up is Spoken Words, so stay tuned and join us again next Sunday at 7 o'clock. And to leave you with more tunes for the night, here's our musical Chantel. This next song is Pro-Choice Protest Song by Allison Hanks. I chose this song because of the lyrics, This body here is all my own and you won't take my choice away. 
This ly- this lyric really spoke to me because that's exactly what others should respect when being trusted with another's choice. We'll also hear Electric Lady by Janelle Monet, Fly Girl by Queen Latifah, and Fe Mohem by UNFPA Yemen. I was your music host for tonight, Shantagurule. Good night and talk to you soon. From my toes to the tip of my nose, this body here is all my own. And you won't take my choice away. You won't take my choice away. Well, it's almost nightfall, and there's no forecast of rainfall, and I'm in the mood for a party, so I'ma go out to a club and give the dance floor body, so I jump in the car.